Hello, and welcome to Beyond the Flow of Time, a podcast all about Chrono Trigger. My name is Steve, and today we're going to talk about the Kingdom of Zeal. This episode is the first of, I'm probably going to do a four-part series, maybe more, but probably just four parts. I would like to apologize for it being so long between episodes. I've had some health issues I had to address. I've had some doctor's appointments and some tests and I think I can safely and happily say like everything's okay or going to be okay and I, I'm actually doing well. My doctor and I had some uh, in-depth conversations. We've outlined a path uh, moving forward for my physical and mental well-being. And uh, I will say this, like without going into much detail, your mental health matters and there is no shame in talking to someone or being on medication. But you can expect the episodes to resume on a bi-weekly basis as they have been. I'll probably take a short break right before Christmas, and then when I come back in 2024, I will start Season 2. Now, we'll move through this kind of quickly here. Uh, This episode's What the Heckron pertains to what was going to be the eighth character in our time-traveling group. I found this excerpt online. Gaspar was at one time intended to be the eighth playable character of Chrono Trigger. The plan was likely cut before the Chrono Trigger pre-release was issued, as no extra sprites for him appear in the ROM. Toriyama's sketch demonstrates that Gaspar would have worn his zeal robes and carried his staff in the party. Like, I wish so much this would have been the case, but we were presented with a nearly perfect game. And I say nearly perfect because it ended, you know, <laughs> like I wish there was more of the game, but you can't, you know, can't get everything you want. Uh, the challenge update at the time of this recording right now, Friday morning, Friday the 13th, I'm well beyond a thousand downloads. My wife is finishing up working. Her job is seasonal. She's finishing up that. Uh, I do believe she's done. I don't think she'll have to work anymore. Uh, until spring so her schedule has completely freed up still trying to secure a copy i have a friend who has a copy and i may be able to might be able to do might be able to emulate it i think that's the route i might be going and i don't think that's illegal as far as i understand you can get the roms and emulate games that you have physical copies of i think that was i read that somewhere I'm not exactly sure on that. And I have multiple physical copies of it. So I don't think that'll be, I don't think that'll be a big deal. Um, I would also like to take just a second to talk about another game. Uh, between the last episode of this podcast and this one, a game called Sea of Stars released. This is not a Chrono Trigger game. It is not tied into the Chrono universe. But the amount of references and nods to our beloved RPG are plentiful. I haven't finished the game. I am very close. I am 
about like how Chrono Trigger was right before you could go fight Lavos, the game kind of just opened up and was like, go explore, do all the side quests, tie up all the loose ends. That's where I'm at in Sea of Stars. Um, and I won't talk a lot about it in depth here yet. I am compiling a list of all the similarities and references between the two. And my suggestion would be that if you love Chrono Trigger and 90s style turn-based RPGs, you should give Sea of Stars a shot. If you don't want to drop $30 on it because you've never heard of it, you don't know you're going to like it, if you have a Switch, there's a free demo. If you have Xbox Game Pass, the, the full game is downloadable. I'm not sure about the PlayStation Plus, PlayStation Store. I'm sure it's on there. I don't know if you'll be able to get it for free. But I would check it out. And before we go any further, I guess this is kind of somewhat relevant. But I am going to go get a Chrono Trigger tattoo here it is 10.20 in the morning, Eastern Standard Time, Friday the 13th, at 1 o'clock, 1 p.m. I will be getting my first tattoo in like seven years, and it's going to be a Chrono Trigger tattoo, and I'm pretty excited. And now, our first look into Zeal will be at the King and Queen. But first, a spoiler warning for Chrono Trigger, and a minor spoiler warning for Chrono Cross. Behold, my pretties, destiny in its most brutal form. All the dreams that might have been, all the happiness and sorrow you might have experienced, gone forever. For you, there will be no tomorrow. The word zeal means to pursue something passionately, or a great energy or enthusiasm in pursuit of a cause or an objective. The queen pursued immortality through Lavos at the expense of her family, her associates, and her home. It's not explicitly explained, but I do believe that either Queen Zeal or Dalton had a hand in the death of King Zeal. Perhaps it was some sort of midnight coup, a subtle poisoning, or it could honestly have been his death that freed her ambitions and sent her on a path of the pursuit of power. No matter how he died, his death played a pivotal role in the development of the events we see unfolding as the group arrives in 12,000 BC. I did happen upon a small excerpt pertaining to the king. King Zeal dies shortly before the events of Chrono Trigger. His death leaves Queen Zeal emotionally responsive to the growing effects of Lavos' powers as channeled through the Mammon Machine. One of the most interesting mysteries of the series is the nature, appearance, and power of King Zeal. All right, so using what we have and what we know, I think we can safely deduce that the king was probably a decent man. Uh, his gentle nature and affection for his wife staved off the corrupting power of Lavos. His death most likely did not come at the hands of the queen, but that doesn't rule out Dalton. Now, as far as his appearance, he would have been an enlightened one, possessing blue hair and possibly like Elvis elvish ears which i'm not sure how that character trait fits into the world of chrono trigger the blue hair is synonymous with magic but not everyone has the elvish ears and maybe that's a trait that is passed down but only appears in you know certain it's like i have red hair 
Okay. Well, I don't have any hair now, but when I was growing up, I had red hair. Not my parents, not my grandparents, but it was a trait that is passed down through the family that pops up every now and then. And I think maybe the ears is kind of, kind of like that. Um, his magic power would have been substantial. And I don't recall any of the NPCs in 12,000 BC speaking ill of him. So I think it would be safe to say that he was not hated, maybe probably not even disliked by any large sect of his kingdom. Another theory that is if he was powerful and incorruptible and Dalton couldn't figure out a way to kill him, then Lavos did. I know it's a long, it's a long stretch here, but just follow me. He was the balance in a power struggle, and knowing the queen would never do it, Lavos played for Queen Zeal the same as the entity does for Luca. Or, and this is interesting, I think, is that the entity allowed his death for the greater good. So it kind of plays out like Star Wars. Anakin was prophesied to bring balance to the Force. And, you know, we hear that, and most would think, you know, he was going to be raised to be a very powerful Jedi. But instead, he succumbed to the dark side to become Darth Vader, purging Jedi Temple of younglings and Padawans, and thus balanced the force between darkness and light. It's not so much about the good guys ridding the world of evil or evil taking over the world, but a balance that stays in check. And how can we ever know what is good or evil if the other does not exist? King Zeal's death kickstarted events that eventually led to the demise of his wife and the disappearance of his children. Subsequently, these events put others into play and so on and so forth until we end up here as time travelers to stop the rise of Lavos and set the timeline right. But did we do more harm than good? Are we the good guys or the bad ones here? Or are we simply the bearers of balance, no matter the outcome? Perhaps death is not always evil, and life is not always good. Now, we'll let that stew for a bit, and we'll discuss Queen Zeal when I come back. But in the meantime, this is Corridors of Time by Alex Rincon, and I hope you enjoy.
All right, I'm back. Now, a lot of the information that I'm using is from the Chrono Wiki. So if you check that out and you see that my podcast matches a lot of that info, please don't like bland me, brand me as a plagiarizer. Like this is like my formal admission that I use them as a reference. And most of the time I'll reword it, use it as a reference, throw in my opinions and add to and take away from what they've said. But on rare occasion, there's no better way to word it uh, than the way they presented it. So I will borrow it verbatim. But in those cases, I'll use it and give credit where credit is due. I just thought I would address that because I don't want people to think I just go to Chrono Wiki, copy and paste, and give you a podcast. I put some time and effort into this, um, but I do use what resources are available to me. So, Queen Zeal is the matriarch of 12,000 BC while also serving as the secondary antagonist of Chrono Trigger. She is the sole ruler of Kingdom of Zeal, the most magically advanced civilization throughout Chrono Trigger's timeline. That being said, 12,000 BC, the game goes up to 2300 AD, but this is the most advanced civilization through the whole game. Reminds me a lot of Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time. Where the books start is later in the timeline than the most advanced civilization. No more spoilers if you haven't read it or watched it, which, if you're going to ask my opinion, I don't think the show is terrible. The books are phenomenal. The show is okay. It's not bad. I enjoyed it for what it was. But I do love the idea of, and we see a lot of that in science fiction, Star Wars, Dune, you know, where an advanced society exists, but the past was more advanced. Kind of like an Atlantis kind of thing, or the theories about the Egyptians having advanced technology that has been lost to time. But we will move on. Uh, the Chrono Wiki states that it is unknown how the Queen came to obsess over the power of Lavos. I disagree over this. Um, I do. I think the death of her husband pushed her over the edge. Or she was already dabbling with the power of Lavos and the death of her husband set her free like those bonds were broken. So either way, his death was the catalyst. Also, and this is me, this is Steve talking... Dreamstone causes rapid evolution, and seeing as how the islands are floating, areas of the Earth's crust that would normally be buried are exposed. You couple that with the exposure to the frozen flame, and you get a volatile mix of rapid and intense cellular and molecular changes. Now, it's a wonder that every soul on Zeal hadn't gone mad, or, or maybe they would have gone mad. So maybe burying the entire place into the sea was the best outcome. Now, by the time Chrono and his friends encounter her, she is dangerously fixated on drawing upon Lavos' energies in an effort to become immortal. So, how did she plan on doing this? The Mammon Machine. The Chrono Wiki describes the machine as such. The Mammon Machine is a large biomechanical creation in Chrono Trigger, existing during antiquity or the dark ages whatever version you played it harvests the power of lavos for the enlightened ones so mammon is a word used for wealth regarded 
as an evil influence or false object of worship and devotion. A machine is an apparatus using or applying mechanical power and having several parts, each with a definite function and together performing a particular task. So the mammon machine is an apparatus designed to harvest evil influence and simultaneously worship a false god. Now to the zealots, Lavos was not a false god. Its power and influence were very, very real. Now if we parallel this with the Christian Bible, as I have done in the past, um, we get some interesting stuff. So I got a scripture here, and I don't know how you feel about this. We'll just take it for what it is. I'm not trying to push anything on anyone. But Matthew 6.24 says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. God and mammon are very much not the same here, but Queen Zeal sought to combine the two. And as queen, she forsook not only her own family, but all her loyal subjects. She couldn't serve two masters. She did end up loving one and hating the other. She could not serve God and mammon. She made her choice, and the consequences were catastrophic. In the world of Chrono Trigger, much like our own, you see the repercussions of being power-hungry and in a position of power. Flesh is corruptible. Even the common man falls prey to the promise of wealth and adoration by means of the influence and worship of that which has no business being worshipped. Now back to the wiki. Zeal is maniacal in her efforts to gain power and immortality. She is haughty, cruel, and single-minded. Her own people are both slavishly, slavishly, I'll be honest, I don't know how to say that, devoted to her and terrified of her. She is paranoid and manipulative, gladly abusing the vast magical talent that her daughter, Shala, displays in order to further her goals. She shows no concern for the number of earthbound lives lost in her attempts to reach Lavos' power and does not even seem to care for her children. So, you know, it's mentioned by many, including like the gurus, that Zeal did not always behave in such a manner. And that supports my theory that at one point she was a loving wife or could have been somewhat akin to, we'll talk about Game of Thrones here, Robert Baratheon and Cersei Lannister, Cersei Baratheon. When we meet Cersei, she is cold, calloused, calculated. But was she always like this? No, I don't think so. I think dabbling in dark prophecy as a child and then being married off to a man like a man who was infatuated with another and treated, he treated her barely better than like a concubine. And all this together created the monster known as Cersei Lannister. I believe she had the capacity for love, but she also had a lust for power and that power was readily available. She also had a thirst for vengeance and that drove her to the point that if, like, in the world of Game of Thrones, if she were a Targaryen, she would have been a Mad Queen. Now, Melchior observes that the Queen's psychological degeneration appears tied directly to the amount of Lavus's energy she absorbs through the Mammon Machine. And we see this in every sentient being that, like, gets too close to Lavos or its power. To say it's unnatural is an understatement. Lavos is a disease, and humanity is an already corrupted host. 
And I think a better analogy would be to say that every man and woman has within them the capacity for evil and a lust for power, locked away behind a myriad of doors and bars, but Lavo sweeps in and unlocks them all at once. Shala and Janice both recognize the changes in their mother to the point, I believe, Janice, like, I think he even denounces that this is not his mother. Now, I will stop here as there's a lot to cover, like, going into the later episodes. So go ahead and unpack all this. Hit me up with any of your own theories. Zeal and its residents have some of the most interesting people and places in the entire game. And I will wrap this up with some thank yous and credits. I hope you like this and continue to come back. I've enjoyed having you. I'm sorry it's been so long. Um, Thank you to everybody on the Chronoverse Facebook page and the Chrono Trigger Facebook page for your love and support. And I even had people reach out to me and ask me, like, where I've been, why hadn't there been an update. And that really means a lot. Like, that really reignited the fire that I had when I first started this podcast and things have been rough but I'm back better than ever we'll keep this thing going and of course the thumbnail is by Ricardo Borquez you can find him on Behance or DeviantArt or by the handle Cool Borquez um, also the artwork I used to promote my podcast on Facebook isn't like mine I never intended for anybody to think it was me these are pieces I have borrowed and just put filters and text over I guess I'll start crediting the artists somewhere on the description or somewhere on here but um deviant art all right the intro was buries by seth walker the ambience is bustling city by brian masopel the spoiler warning was industrialized confusion by kb music playing during the intermission was corridors of time by alex rincon Check him out on Spotify, Apple Music, SoundCloud, Facebook, and YouTube. Also, like to mention again that Alex has a full-length Chrono Trigger album titled "Times Eclipse," and it is available on all major platforms. The outro is "The World Stood Still" by Insidness. This podcast is available on all major platforms. You can visit Beyond the Flow of Time on Facebook to find links or search your favorite podcast app. Also, if you have any ideas or topics you'd like discussed, art, fan fiction, anything at all, you can email me at beyondtheflowoftime at gmail.com or message the Facebook page. Episode 12 will be the second entry in the Zeal series and will be titled Of God and Mammon and will be available in late October. Episode 13 will add to the series as well and will be titled Black Winds, Black Omens and will release in early November. Episode 14 will conclude the Zeal series and will be titled Beings of Dreams, and you can expect it near the end of November. And probably there will be one more episode in December. Might even do Christmas themed if I could figure out a way to do that. And that will probably be the final episode of 2023, and I'll come back in 2024 and start Season 2. Maybe revamp a few things, change the format, upgrade the equipment, and come back bigger and better than ever. But I appreciate all of you and your support in reaching out to me to see if I was okay. I love you all. Thanks for listening.